welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey everybody, welcome back to your favorite podcast where a couple break down horror movies thematically by month and one of them dies a little inside. Uh, my name is Cindy. I'm Josh. And he's the one always trying to kill me. Uh, last week we watched The Exorcist. Yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> it's Possession Month. Uh, and I believe this week we are not doing The Exorcist 2, but Exorcist 3. Yes. Okay. I want you to imagine. I guess we should start the conversation there. I want you to imagine. Okay. That it's 1970, I think it was it three or five? I think it's 1973. Okay. The Exorcist comes out. Dun, 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 dun. It makes money hand over fist. Yeah. Like hand over fist. It provides um, the Catholics with tons of priests. Yeah. For best picture. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yes, I did. Okay, yeah. Like, it's huge. It's like a movie that is... That rare film that is like in the cultural zeitgeist and huge and like, I mean, we talk about it in last week's episode, even though I kind of downed the film and my problems <laughs> with it. Yeah. But like, it was fucking huge. Right. So, of course, the 70s is the first decade where movies that made Franchise. more money than God suddenly are like, what if we made a sequel? And so a sequel and another sequel. There's a reason why... The Exorcist comes out and it's huge and gets nominated for Best Picture and makes all that money. Mm -hmm. And then The Exorcist 3 doesn't come out till 1990 and is not released by a major studio. Oh, what happened with uh, 1? I mean 2. And the answer is The Exorcist 2 Mm -hmm. is awful. Was it like a continuation of what happened after they left DC? So there's the first film is based on William Peter Body's book. Okay. The second movie is just based off of, like, what if we just picked the story up and kept going? And there's, like, different priests. There's, like, a sub like a subplot Linda, in Africa. Like, is Linda Blair in it? Linda Blair's in it. Like, they ride on grasshoppers. It's what? fucking awful. It's real, real bad. It's like a nightmare dream. Like. Real, real bad. Yeah, like, The Exorcist is well-regarded. The Exorcist 3 is pretty well-regarded. But Exorcist Um, 2 is not. Exorcist 2, The Heretic, was released in 1977 and currently has a 3.8 rating on IMDb. Oh, that's very, very low. Um, That's not good. Okay. so Yeah, there's a reason why the the first Exorcist, like we said, the first one, major studio picture. Mm -hmm. The third one, released by Morgan Creek. (sighs) Well... Uh, so is Linda Blair in the third one? Nope. Okay. So that is where we're starting, I guess. <laughs> so, so The Exorcist 3, like I said, was released in 1990. Okay. Um, That's a very long break, but all right. So from 77, the year of Star Wars and The Exorcist 2, mm-hmm. 90. to 1990. The year of like, was that like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? I feel like that that was like a movie around so, that time. So, 1990 was Goodfellas, Misery, Days of Thunder, Jacob's okay. Ladder, Problem Child, Crybaby, Edward Scissorhands, um, The Hunt for October, Dances with Wolves. Okay, I knew there was a Kevin Costner one in there somewhere. And more importantly, 1990 is the year that people across America crowded around their televisions and asked, who killed Laura Palmer? Oh. Because Twin Peaks was all the rage in All the rage. Okay. Um, but otherwise, in 1990, like, do you even remember 1990? I was 10 going on 11. 
So that's what, sixth, fifth grade, sixth grade, maybe? No, 1990 I'm, would have been fourth grade. I'm the grade. world's worst person at when they're like, so I was nine. <laughs> what grade was I? No, I'm, I'm trying. So I'm trying to think if I, at that. 19, if I graduated, I put in quotes, elementary school in sixth grade in 92. So I was in fourth grade. I was eight. <laughs> like, that's about all what I remember. What grade was I in an eight? So. First? Second, maybe? Typically, you start kindergarten in fifth, sixth, seventh, third? Third grade? No, because if I was in fourth, I would have been 10. No, no, I'm saying the average kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's about right. I would have been in second okay. grade. So I would have moved to West Virginia mm. from Pennsylvania. How exciting. summer. So there you go. Um, that's what was going on in our lives. What was, was going on in the being world? terrible at T-ball. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the world of 1990 uh, is the year that Poland withdrew from the Warsaw Pact and the Soviet Union began to collapse Good. and accelerated, right? Uh, the U.S. invaded Panama. The first McDonald's opened in Russia and China. Nelson Mandela was released from prison. Uh, Germany began its reunification, which it completed by the end of the year. Mikhail Gorbachev was elected as the first president of the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah, this is a big deal in my hometown. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture. The World Health Organization removed homosexuality (laughs) from its list of diseases. Oh, thank you for that. 1990. 1990. The Americans with Disabilities Act was passed, and Iraq invaded Kuwait, which set up... Ah, uh, yes. It set up the uh, everlasting good war. Good time in 1991. The everlasting well, 1990, war. 1990, 1991. Uh, we'll never be out of that. Uh, that is the year that we gained The Weeknd, Kristen Stewart, Emma Watson, Margot Roby, Bill Skarsgård, Jennifer Lawrence, and Bo Burnham. Oh, I like Bo Burnham. And I like a few was, of those people. Yeah, that was the year that we lost Barbara Stanwyck, Ava Gardner, Greta Garbo. Bad year for, like... Classic Classy, Hollywood yeah. power lesbians. Uh, <laughs> Jim Henson and Roald Dahl. Okay, that's what I remember about this year. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Henson dying was the first big pro- like celebrity death that really, really, really upset me. And, like, I didn't have the words for it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Glad I remember mm-hmm. that now. <laughs> it, into the Void stepped The Exorcist 3, which asked us the important question. What's that? Do you dare walk these steps again? Oh. Because the stairs make a return. Even though uh, we talked about yet last week how the stairs are actually like across the street. You know, they're from beside the, the house. They're just like, they're, it's, it's not, not there. physically possible to leap out of the, the house right. onto the stairs. Because you would have to like leap from the house into the yard, run across the yard, and then jump down the stairs. But. So. Uh, so back. the stairs come back. So, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Return, returning the stairs. <laughs> we know there's a returning character, the stairs. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. So okay. the Exorcist three. Let's let's get into the talk about the Exorcist three. Um, we are going to watch the theatrical cut. There is a director's cut. They are wildly different. Okay. Um, I think the theatrical cut is one that you will like more. Um, it doesn't have as abrupt an ending. I think if you're going to watch this movie for the first time, do the theatrical cut and then the director's cut. Okay. Because they're, again... Very different. Very different. The director's cut's actually five minutes shorter. Oh, okay. very different. How long are we talking about um, for this movie? So, okay, so this movie is 
Not as long as the first one. It's okay. only an hour and 50 minutes. All right. It's okay. under two hours. All right. I can't um, complain about that too much. It's rated R. It was released August 17th assume. of 1990. So how this works out. Um, we talked about The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Correct. And the mess it was. <laughs> so The Exorcist 2 was a studio sequel that was like, hey, people want Linda Blair and grasshoppers and magic and... That's all that nonsense. strange. I don't think people wanted that at all. <laughs> so The Exorcist 3 is based on a book called Legion, which is what William Peter Blatty wanted to call it originally. Okay. So this movie is based on the book, which is the sequel to The Exorcist book. Okay. So this is a direct sequel to The Exorcist. The, so the writer is the same. Okay. Yes. Um, so William Peter Blatty, who wrote The Exorcist and produced... The film, The Exorcist, is actually the director of this movie, as well as the writer. Okay. Oh, right. Um, has a pretty, pretty in control of the movie. Um, okay. Even though, well, the original cut of the movie. It's very different. Like, it got taken away from him. It's a whole thing. We'll talk about it later. Okay, the um, back half. But yeah, the, the writer and director is William Peter Blatty, who was the producer and writer of The Exorcist. Um, and he also directed The Ninth Configuration, which is a fucking weird movie that I that. enjoy. Of course you um, did. But just, it's it's odd. Okay. It's, William Peter Blatty's sense of film is odd. different. He has a difference. I think this movie is scarier than The Exorcist, and I'm in the minority. Okay. Um, I wasn't a big fan of The Exorcist, uh, if you didn't listen to that previous episode. Um, eh, I, I could I, take it or leave it. I think this movie doesn't have the problems inherent, like the misogyny inherent in the first Exorcist film. Okay. This movie is a very different beast. Um it stars George C. Scott oh. as uh, Kinderman. So okay. he's playing the cop from the first Exorcist film. Okay, got it. The detective. Like, the characters we are never the really... same. Okay. But they're played by different people because a lot of them had passed. Uh, right. It's, it's been uh, almost 20 years yep. between um, the two. You would know him from Patton or The Changeling. Okay. Uh, Dr. Strangelove. Um, Famous actor. Yeah, he's, he's George C. Scott. Yeah. Right. He's... He's George C. Scott. Yeah, he's famous for being like <laughs> one of two people who refused an Oscar. He's like a scenery chewing madman. And we're about to. He's fun. Okay. Like, he yells a lot in this movie. Oh, that's, exciting. That's George C. Scott. He yells a lot in movies. <laughs> Trademark. Uh, then we've got Ed Flanders playing Father Dyer, also in The Exorcist. Different All right. actor. He's the priest who played the piano. Okay. He, all right, so he didn't die. He was playing. Okay, I think, the one I who we're talking about. got with the Father Karras at the bottom of the stairs. And right, 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 right. At the Gave end. him the right. Um, Ed Flanders was in Saint Elsewhere, and the Ninth Configuration. What's the Ninth Configuration, the movie dear? We just talked about being the only ah, movie that that's right. Body directed. Okay, so he's <laughs> playing the same character. Well, I'm sorry. I'm trying to follow <laughs> along. I don't remember the names, so. All right. I don't know how I feel about same characters, different actors, but uh, I mean, obviously they it were had to such happen. minor characters in the first. It doesn't film. really matter. And now, but now they're the protagonists in this that, one. In this movie, like they're more well-rounded because they're the protagonists. You spend more time with them, and they're. I, I like when I think about the characters in my head, it's these actors playing them, not the ones in the first film. Oh, that says something. Okay. So. Um, I'm going to skip him because I want to talk about him last. Oh. Uh, then we've got Nicole Williamson playing Father Morning. Nicole? Um, 
Yeah, N-I-C-O-L. Nickel. Oh, yeah. Nickel. Got it. Um, he was Merlin in Excalibur. All right. You remember Excalibur from like 1981? Not really, but I mean, yes. Where I know. Merlin had that weird metal hat. I <laughs> <laughs> must he not was be the good movie because I don't remember that. Dr. Worley in Return to Oz. Okay. The one I, that was like. I love Return to Hello, Oz. Hello, I'm going to shock children. Yes. That's what I do. I shock children. That was, you know, age appropriate mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, and then we've got Scott Wilson as Dr. Temple. Um, okay. Scott Wilson is an actor who did things forever. Like, working actor forever. Cool. Um, he was in the movie In Cold Blood. Oh, Truman Capote joined. Yeah, he was also in The Ninth Configuration. Uh, but he found, like, success late in The Walking Dead. He okay. became, like, the a TV major show? character on The Walking Dead. Ah, okay. One that, like, people, like, used to line up at conventions to meet for hours at a time. And he was, like, the nicest guy. Oh, cool. Um, I was never, like, a big Walking Dead person. Good to know, though, that people are, But, like, know, I have met Scott Wilson um, in regards to this movie. <laughs> and he was, like, just a really nice guy. So, cool. Um, All right. Okay. The other person I'm going to mention that I skipped over is Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif. Brad, Brad Dourif is um, Huntington, West Virginia's own. Okay. Brad Dourif. Um, he plays the Gemini Killer. He is the voice of Chucky. Oh, that's where we've talked. He's about in it Lord before. of Ra- Lord of the Rings. He was in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. He was he was in the original Dune. He was in Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> is he a problematic character or problematic figure? Uh, not really. Um, I, every time I've ever met him, he's been an absolute gem of a person. Okay. I do know that we talked about it this previous that he. Yeah. Um, hates talking don't, about West Virginia. I was going to say, don't Huntington. bring up that he's from there. I remember that. Other than that, I've I've never had anything but good interactions with him. Cool. Um, I got him to sign uh, this poster because he's one of the few actors alive. Still alive. From this movie. Okay. Um, and man. Okay. I'm going to go on a limb here and say, Brad Dourif is awesome in a lot of things. Is he awesome in this? This might be the best thing he's ever done as far as like oh, that's his a lot. performance. He is fucking incredible terrifying in this movie oh um and he's so good in this movie my friend elvis has him tattooed on his leg from this movie okay which is what you see his performance but that's that's troubling elvis. <laughs> <laughs> well that's how our, our that's how our elvis is so um yeah yeah all right so this movie is i i don't know if it's streaming for free anywhere i'm sure we own it yes uh i i do have the the screen factory blu-ray here i'm going to use to show you the because it's the original theatrical poster uh so this is the part of the podcast where josh has me an original poster from the movie and i try to predict what it's going to be about so again we see the stairs and it's someone's at the top of the stairs looking down so i'm going to say somebody moves into no I'm going to say there's a series of murders that happen and the bodies are all put on these stairs and we find out that whatever was in the young priest when he killed himself, that demon, whatever, um, escaped and is haunting the stairs. So it's like the mangler. I don't know. Except instead of stairs, the mangler is a movie about a mask, um, like a dry cleaning press that kills people. What? 
<laughs> Not what I was expecting you to say. Like an industrial laundry machine that murders people. Oh. So. Cool. Cool. I mean, I guess it's based off the Stephen King short story. I mean, I'm just gonna. I'm saying that, yeah, the the evil spirit inhabits that space and has driven someone wa- like yeah. mad or you something. You know what's crazy is um, if you've ever been on those stairs, which I have not, um, but you have. They're not scary at all. Yeah, they're just like stairs. they're scary because of their association with The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. And I have seen stairs in the past that you're like, those look fucking scary that's like, usually because they're about to fall the stairs for the exorcist are beside the house Just a and then you go down them flight of stairs into the parking lot of a texaco station <laughs> does that texaco station even know how important it is to cinematic history and like that it's you can kind of see it a little bit in the last shot of the exorcist like there's a gas station it's a gas station at the bottom <laughs> of the stairs huh if we ever watch it again remind me so that so i can look for it like it's, it's so funny to me that these stairs are like iconic and and scary and there's just... you go in real life like you're 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 hit with the thing of like holy shit i'm on the exorcist stairs. it's like a set yeah and then you walk down and you're like this is not scary <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like a house and then there's like a, a gas station at the bottom so okay yeah um so we're gonna we're gonna do this Let's all do right this thing. All right. Well, <laughs> we're off to watch uh, Exorcist 3. Join us, won't you? Mind the doors. <laughs> 17 years ago, an extraordinary motion picture touched our most profound, nameless fears. Do you dare walk these steps again? <laughs> Satan grows stronger. You believe in possession, Father? He has found a haven. Come to take a little blood from your father. He has taken possession. The boy had been crucified. His web widens. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. Inside this cell. Killer drove an ingot into each of his eyes and cut off his head. Inside, a man. Who are you? I am no one. A man we thought had died 17 years ago. He is inside with us! He will never get away! This time you're going to lose. The real terror is back. George C. Scott in William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist 3. All right, we watched The Exorcist 3, a movie that scared me so bad, I stopped. I didn't faint, but I did stop. It was like a pause in time with me and that, was it the statue behind? I, I, I'm jumping around. Just know that this movie fucked me up. <laughs> this one was yeah. so much scarier than well, Exor- the original. We'll, we'll talk about the, Holy that, crap. that's very specific thing because I want to break that, just that one scene down. Because <sighs> I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk in detail about that one scene. Okay. 
But first, let's just go ahead and get the plot details out of the way. Cindy, what the fuck was this movie about? The spirit of a serial killer. Yes. Lives on. Also, yes. And kills people. It that that's the best I can. I mean, there's a lot in this movie. I just keep picturing that scene over and over again in my head, and I'm not happy about it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, the de- the sp- the soul of a um, serial killer haunts the detective who investigated it, who happens to also be the detective from the previous, like Exorcist One. I enjoy the fact that yes. Well, let's go ahead. That, that was super rambling, the, and I get that. Let me go ahead and get the IMDb thing. I own that. Uh, so a police lieutenant uncovers more than he bargained for as his investigation of a series of murders, which have all the hallmarks of the deceased Gemini serial killer, leads him to question the patients of a psychiatric ward. Boom. Okay. Let's talk. Let's talk brass tacks about this movie. <sighs> this movie this is a movie that takes place after The Exorcist. Okay. And technically after Exorcist 2. wasn't it 20 years? Like they, they doesn't acknowledge it all. They celebrate the anniversary. Like, oh, um, was it 10 years or? It's honestly one of my favorite moments in the whole movie. Okay. That's not a scare. Is the fact that like both Father Dyer and Kenderman mm-hmm. both have the line with like uh, Dyer with-, with the priest and Kinderman with his, I think it's his wife, mm-hmm. of like, oh, no, I got to go meet up with the other one and go to the movies because they get really depressed this time of year and I need to cheer them up. Like, like the fact that they're both yeah. each other's support system. Even and though this the, one little thing that they share. Yeah, even though... This one nightmare they lived through. Yeah. The Kinderman, our police officer who was... That sounds so Nazi-like. Played by Lee J. Cobb in the first film. And, and, and then this one, played by George C. Scott. Yes. He is, he is a so big angry. actor. Yes. He's so angry. And yes. there's never been a piece of scenery that George C. Scott is not afraid to Yes. Um, so, yes. This Larger movie, than life. This movie is the tale of a it was good, detective from the original film who is really good friends with the piano playing priest from the first film, both played by different actors. Um, we talked about this at the front half. These are the actors that I most think of for those characters um well rather than the originals yeah because they're both kind of minor characters in the first one it's yeah. really about reagan um <laughs> yeah. who only gets i don't even say the name i don't think they ever say reagan they talk about one the connection no. being like well they were all involved with that mcneil girl they kept saying they 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 said mcneil that's right and that's why i said it's like they do one no they don't yeah they, so i don't think they, they actually say, say her name. reagan which I'm okay if we never say the word Reagan again. Yes. In any context. He won't even fly into Reagan Airport. Looking at you. He won't even Former do it. president and nightmare human, Ronald. Anyway. We should just call him Ronald from now on. Just <laughs> like Ronald. Anyway. One back. of the two pillars of the American clown community. Back uh, on task. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm, uh, I'm fighting... The remnants of whatever this weird cold thing is. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to be a little flighty. Okay. Let me do this as best I can. This movie mm-hmm. is a movie about how Father Karras sacrifices himself at the end of The Exorcist, tumbles down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as he's dying, the devil 
or whatever, yes, or whatever demon that was possessing Reagan or, or then was possessing um, Father Karras. Right. Takes the soul right. of James Veneman. I love the name. Veneman. Veneman. Who's the Gemini killer, mm-hmm. who is a movie proxy of the Zodiac. Obviously. Um, much like the Scorpio killer from the first Dirty Harry movie. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, who shoots women from rooftops. Uh, so he takes his soul, his newly in the afterlife soul, and puts it in the priest's body along with a bunch of other things. Right. Which is why he's like, we're legion because we're many from the... Bible. Yeah, from the from the holy uh, the holy Bible. Um, and then the shock of that causes Karis to come back to life. But basically... His brain shuts down. Yes, and they they find him wandering and put him in an insane asylum, mm-hmm. uh, or a psychiatric ward. We don't really say insane asylum anymore. Well, but this was um, the eighties. Like still, like I know. Um, and then he's there, and he wakes up like a month prior to the movie, and then that's when all the killings start happening. Correct, and it's all these. Really graphic, and I believe Cindy's thankful. <laughs> things that are described and not shown. Um, um, yeah, there's killings. decapitations. There's putting the head on uh, crucifying they, to like rowing oars and um, like driving and ingots into eyeballs. There's this and, point that's driven home that the killer used um, enough anesthesia so that the person couldn't move. But they were still awake mm-hmm. during it all. Yeah, like they say, like <sighs> they slowly <sighs> suffocate, uh, slow asphyxiation, and then you know a little too much, and they'll die outright. A little too little, and it won't do what they want it to do. No, um, thank you. So How creepy is that, y'all? Basically, <sighs> chills. Father Dyer has a medical ailment and ends up in the hospital, and then is beheaded. After all of his blood is removed from his body. Yep. So he's gone. Mm-hmm. And this co- coincides with one of the weirdest dream sequences I've ever seen in a movie where Fabio and Patrick. Yes. Ewing, he wasn't kidding, y'all. Like, I mm-hmm. I know we talked about this at the front, but I truly was just like this. That can't be real. Or like, oh, they're in the background. No, they are in the foreground and like almost winking at the camera. Like, and Sam Jackson, you know this is crazy. His voice is dubbed. Yeah, that wasn't his voice. If you hadn't said that was that that was Sam Jackson, there's no way. I and then the known. little boy who got murdered. Oh god! And the weirdest line of the whole movie, and a line sorry. in a movie full of, he's like, "Sorry, you got murdered." Oh, thanks. Uh, and he's like, "I'm sorry, you got murdered." Um, also, I, I just want to go on record and saying, um, if I die and heaven is actually a place, and you the angel Fabio greets me, and... fuck no, I want Patrick. You. <laughs> <laughs> all right i mean to each his own when i was a kid i was all about that nicks run with like him and james starks like i want a motherfucking patrick ewing angel. i was all about that fabio for uh, a minute. whatever i mean i get it patrick ewing was a shit when i was a kid i like him big with long hair always kind of have uh, i like mine to have been on the dream team <laughs> <laughs> this is why we aren't married the the greatest <laughs> basketball team ever assembled on the planet. Oh my gosh, that was so fun to live through. That was the best. Gosh, like, it was the height of the American Empire. It was fabulous. God damn, like they could have conquered really was. nations. High five. Even with, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Michael fucking Jordan 
Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Bird. Uh, uh, oh. Yeah. Chris Mullen. I don't know why Chris Mullen immediately popped my Carl fucking Malone, the mailman. Great. John Stockton, the last man to keep the tiny short shorts alive in the NBA. Like, that team was stoked. And what does it have in common with The Exorcist? Both have Patrick Ewing for some reason. Well, Exorcist 3. Exorcist 3. That's why I like The Exorcist 3 more because of the Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing connection, the Dream Team connection. But anyway, back to it's... The Exorcist 3. <laughs> The Exorcist 3, um, so they're able to be like, oh, so I guess people, the, the murders are happening out of the hospital. Right. So they shut the hospital down, and the movie essentially becomes all about in the hospital. Oh, God. And when he's, like, Kinderman's going around and checking all the wards. There really he, isn't much scenery, he is hears, there? like, his friend Karis's voice for a second. Mm-hmm. And then upon inspecting his cell, he's like, that's... Father Karras from the first we say for sexist movies like that's one of my good friends that's Father Karras like which doesn't make sense if you only know the Exorcist movies because they had a little connection in the movie okay like they had that one scene where he goes to see him and he's like you look like John Garfield remember he's like jogging oh yeah yeah in the book they're actually it's like kind of a friends, throwaway line and they go to the movies and it's like they have a relationship oh um and I like the fact that. <laughs> He was just like, I'm just going to continue that for the movie. Like, it's fuck it. Fuck it. I don't care. Okay. Um, and then it just turns into this thing where, like, there are scenes in the theatrical cut. Which is where what we watched. you have Brad Dourif playing the Gemini killer when he's in charge of the body. Correct. And then you have Jason Miller. They switch. Playing Father Karras when he's kind of in charge of the body. It's like a, a sometimes he is and sometimes he isn't. Um, it's more of a tease and more like sometimes it's just a fuck with um, Kinderman. Yeah. And then it, there's this whole investigation. And it's, very, and it's done. It's The room is so dark at first that you're like, wait, that's not the same face. Wait, huh? And it is. it's very subtle. And no, yeah. and then it fully builds up to like, oh, that's a totally different person. And it's part of kind of the going yeah. in and out. And then so... The movie, like halfway through the movie, when he discovers Karis's body or the Gemini killer, right. he's very much like, I'm I'm doing it. I'm killing these people. Mm-hmm. I did these things. Here's how I did them. And <laughs> Kinderman's like, how? how? Yeah, because like, he's, he's that's in a straitjacket in this hospital. Like, who's, is someone letting you out? Like, how is he's this a thing? To the floor. And, it turns out that like he is possessing the bodies of like old people and climbing across the ceiling um, and escaping and then like mm, I don't like the when things don't move right that way. Oh, I don't which like is, when like, things a whole don't thing. move right. Uh, and then in the theatrical cut, there's a weird subplot of there's Father Morning, who's yeah, what's Nicole Williamson, who has like a bird that dies and he's like, oh, I have a cross that's bleeding. Or I didn't understand any of that. Because it, it was shoehorned in. More on that in a minute. Um, and he shows up at the end to fight. To, to get killed. To fight, like, the the Legion character, like the Gemini killer, mm-hmm. the possessed Father Karras. Um, and then he's a, taken out pretty quick. Does, in one of the cool effects of the movie, gets, like, cooked to the ceiling. And yep. then his body splits apart. Yep. And, like, his skin. It, that was pretty cool. Um, and then... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like we're ta- all over the place with this. <laughs> There's there, a lot to talk about. Yeah, this movie is kind of all over the place. Um, the Gemini killer possesses an old person who dresses who up as a nurse. Milled. 
and he's using these like giant mortuary hedge clipper things to just cut people's heads off. What would that tool be used for? Uh, cutting the heads off of people. Okay, why would? How do you think they got all those heads in the jars in Futurama? <laughs> Fair. Uh, sorry. Duh. Sorry. My there bad. Has to be a tool for that. And now you know it's, what it is. It's essentially just a, like a massive pair of garden shears that yeah. slam. That on look themselves. cool as fuck, though, don't they? Like They're terrifying. You open them and then you click the little spring and they slam shut and cut your fucking head off. Right. Oh. And there. Yeah. And then so the nurse goes to cut kenderman's daughter's head off Mm -hmm. um so there's like a a mad dash back to the house and then just like in uh lethal weapon yeah and then the movie essentially ends with like kenderman going back and finding like i'm really proud of myself for that reference continue blood all over the place and tries to kill damien karras right slash james veneman slash 500 other things yeah all this Um, evil and then Juju. there's a really cool, like, you know what? Um, I know there are people that are like, the director's cut's better. Um, and yes, like, logistically and plot-wise, it makes more sense. But, like, the effects are so cool. With, like, there's, like, fire and snakes and then the mm-hmm. lightning in the room and then, like, rising yeah, up all oh, the yeah. people. Like, that's Is that so not in the director's creepy. cut? Not all of it. Oh. Um, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then, like, Father Morning essentially is able to use uh, the crucifix to get Damien to get control over his body for a split second to which he's like, kill me. Do it now. Like, shoot me now. And then Kinderman <laughs> in a moment me. that I want to talk about more in a second, just straight up kills him. Yep. Like, shoots him like four times in the chest. And then one, he's like, you're free and shoots him in the head. Yep. Um, just like a p- good police officer over. does. That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> okay. In today's climate, that's a weird ending. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, I get um, the idea of, like, hey, this is a person who is essentially did oh, the worst of the, the worst. ultimate sacrifice of giving up their life to save a child. And then they've been actively punished in probably the worst way imaginable, especially for a priest. Yeah. For, like, 20 years. And then they're like, please, just, I want this to be over I don't want anyone else to die. And then his best friend is like, I will do that for you because I love you. And that's a great sentiment. And that makes a really good ending to the movie. It's weird watching this movie in 2023 <laughs> and being like, that cop just shot that dude in the face. Yeah. <laughs> my, I, It's weird that my first thought was, what would the paper paperwork on that look like? Like, I, How you do you know, write that off? My first thought when I see that was, his career's over, right? Like, <laughs> right. Like, there's no way. Like, you cannot justify. I shot an unarmed man in the face. While he was in, you know, in a locked room with nobody else there. Like, I'm not saying that Kinderman's going to, like, go to jail. He won't. <laughs> he won't. He's a cop. I'm not saying he's going to get in trouble. He won't. He's probably going to have to retire after that, though. Like, that's what I imagine happens <laughs> after the extra. old street. as hell, might yes, as well. Yes, he's old as fuck, but I imagine the police department's like, hey, um, this is a PR nightmare. You just fucking shot that dude in the a face. A lot of people, people's grandmothers are dead. Um, so, yeah, that's a thing. Um, so, there. 
Um, Do you want to talk about the scariest scene ever? I would like to, but before okay, before we do that, I would be remiss if I did not say this. No, oh, I don't want you to be remiss, so please yeah. say it. Um, there's some banger performances in horror movies, right? Like people talk about Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs or um, Kathy Bates in Misery, you know. You have these like all-timer, like people talk about like some of the performances in The First Exorcist. I think Brad Dourif's performance in The Exorcist 3 is like one of the best performances really in horror movie history. Um, I think he steals the whole movie from everyone. Okay, Brad Dourif is which character? The Gemini killer. Okay. James Veneman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chucky. when... He's Chucky? <laughs> when he starts to reveal himself, yeah. It's pretty fucking terrifying. I, I think, like... His, the way he changes his voice and the way he talks and the way he menaces because he's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. We never see him out of that room. Nope. But he's able to really convey a lot of that. Yeah, now that you bring that to mind, you're absolutely right. Whew, this like, movie. Yeah. I, I I don't think people talk enough about Brad Dourif's performance in this movie. And also, Brad, Brad Dourif basically did a very similar performance on an episode of X-Files. Which was also fucking dope. Like, I think it was in the first season of the X-Files. Oh, okay. He basically plays a serial killer who's locked up and then has visions oh, of the future. Oh, he's been typecast. Um, well. He does it so well. He's He was the sheriff in, the, in Rob Zombie's Halloween films. He's Chucky. Oh, okay. He's in Blue Velvet, but not in a lot of Blue Velvet. He's the doctor and the original dude. Like, he's been in a million things. Oh, okay. Um, Brad Dourif. Yeah. We love you. You'll live forever. I just want to talk about how fucking great he is in this movie. Uh, fucking could like, and that's the upside of the director's cut is the fact that Jason Miller is not in it at all. Oh, that's the oh, like the okay. Karis character. Yeah, like it's entirely just cut. It's yeah, it's everything is Brad Dourif. Yeah, he does the whole thing, and it's better. Oh, like, okay. His performance in the director's cut is better. I'll never watch that. Uh, I just think. Two reasons we did the theatrical cut. I think the ending isn't as abrupt, and I feel like most people would have access to the theatrical cut because if you're going to watch it streaming, that's more than likely what you're going to see. Okay, um, that makes sense. I think really the only way you can watch a director's cut is if you have the Scream Factory Blu-ray. No, so, so not everybody just has like, that. Hey, people, like buy this Blu-ray and then watch this one specific cut of the movie. I wanted to watch the one people would have access to. Like, we, we did we did one movie in the past where, like, we essentially did a movie that people wouldn't be able to watch or had a hard time watching, and I didn't want to do that to anyone again. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Possession. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That was... Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, so that so one it? scene. That one scene. <sighs> There's a scene in the hospital, that one that caused Spoilers you to almost ahead. die. Uh, it's considered to be one of the greatest jump scares ever. I would put it... And what's the number one thing I hate? Jump scares. Thank you. I don't think it's the best jump scare ever because it doesn't... There's one that scares me more because I can never quite time it in my head. Mm. Uh, and that's from Mulholland Drive. <laughs> when the crazy oh, trash yeah, yeah, woman yeah, yeah, like yeah. just comes yeah, out from yeah. behind the dumpster. That gets me gets every everybody. time. That gets everybody. But this is top 
two or three Gosh, jump scares of all time. Like, fuck, it's so good. And here, I wanted to talk about the reason why it's so good. Okay. Why it works. Tell me. Um, why it scared you <laughs> as much as it did. So think about that scene. It's a static shot down a hallway where we see doors to the left and then in like a common area with like a nurse's station and cops. Mm -hmm. And the shot goes on for a minute. Yes. And, and there happens, is a little yeah. startling scene. There's there's a guy who kind of pops up. going on. And so I knew that there was going to be this scene in this movie. And so there is this. There, there's a little pop-up and i'm like oh yeah oh okay that must have been it that so was scary why that, why it works so good it wasn't it there was something it, else. you sit there and you watch the scene and you're like this is boring mm -hmm. and then you start to get complacent and you let your guard down mm -hmm. and <laughs> you start hearing this noise from one of the side rooms and the nurse goes to check it as the cops leave and you're like oh fuck Something bad's about to happen. And then she goes into a room and she moves, like kind of creeps across the room. We, yep. We've left that wide shot. And it's ice breaking apart in a glass. Just heightened because that, mm -hmm. that would not echo across the entire goddamn hospital. Yeah. And then a guy just pops up and he's like, what the, like, what do you want? And it's like, like a sleeping doctor. It scared the shit out of Cindy. Like yep. she screamed because it's a jump scare. Yep. And then she's like, oh, my God. Like, oh, all right. Uh. And we return. They the have like shot. a little interaction and she leaves and he goes back to that wide shot and the cops are back. And you're like, OK, so it's safe. The cops are back. Like we had a scary moment. The tension is deflated and you let Tension's your guard down all the way because you're like, OK, like it got me. Ha 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 ha. And then the cops are around, moving around the background and then they leave and she goes to shut a door and she turns around and then like a figure mm. in white is just comes out of the room just with those head totally silent. And then it, the camera immediately like zooms forward and you hear. Dah! And so the first time with the guy that jumped up, it scared you and you screamed like the second one the second one all of the noise left your body mm. and like you didn't even like you couldn't really make sounds for it a was second. like a vacuum a vacuum of fear um and that is like screaming into the vacuum like if, you, if, if you were a filmmaker and you were studying how do you make an effective jump scare that was it this is the scene to watch because it's kind of perfect terrifying right like i would say this and mahalan driver the two you want to watch terrifying because this is like it goes on so long that like you subconsciously just check out give into it and mm -hmm. you're like it's whatever i let my guard down because clearly that nothing's gonna happen and then two things happen back to back like it double it like it hits you in the face and you're like oh fuck and then when you breathe that sigh of relief then you get gut punched and with mahalan drive mahalan that's drive, just Essentially, you can't does you the can't opposite where know the pacing of a David Lynch movie like it's so the character uh, the, the character at the table in Mulholland Drive tells you, hey, I had a dream, and you were standing there, and then we went around back, and then there was this horribly burned woman behind the dumpster, and the guy's like, well, that's not a thing, and he's like, I'm just telling you, I had that dream, and the guy's like, okay, well, let's go look, 
and he goes over and then where he's standing it's matching the dream and then they walk outside and you're like it's not gonna be there and it just slides out and it's so weirdly timed so yes these are the two textbook jump scares terrifying i wanted to talk about those things terrifying that's even not the scariest thing about this movie no it's not Uh, it was for me that terrified me well i bet i could top it okay so let's talk about let's talk about it this movie and its release so it was released in 1990 um it was made by morgan creek it it was ultimately released by 20th century fox um it got in a weird rush release Mm -hmm. so repossessed was coming out okay the comedy with linda blair i think we talked about where the girl drops her top at the beginning of this year boobs um and they were like this has to come out before repossessed so they were like rushing this to come out before repossessed because they're like if they come out with a comedy before right before we do it will suck all the air out of this movie spoiler alert neither repossessed or exorcist three were gigantic hits (laughs) um so according to rotten tomatoes uh this movie has a 58 percent 58 that's not well i mean all right uh with the uh, uh, one critic saying exorcist 3 is a talky literary sequel with some scary moments that rival anything from the original okay yes yeah um mark kermode called it he's a british film critic called it a restrained haunting chiller which stimulates the adrenaline and intellect alike Mm. um Vincent Canby from the New York Times said the Exorcist 3 is a better and funnier intentionally movie than either of its predecessors. Yeah, I would agree with that. I found this much, much scarier than Exorcist 1. Much. Oh, my goodness. Um, People like people who need people. No, like the magazine People. Oh, God. The review in it said as a movie writer and director, William Peter Blatty is like David Lynch's good twin. He is eccentric, well, original, talking about. funny, and daring, but he also has a sense of taste, paste, and restraint, which is by way of saying that this is one of the shrewdest, wittiest, and most intense and most satisfying horror movies ever made. Um, a lot of critics agree that it's so much better than two. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> then we, we skipped it totally. You get a smattering of people that are like, I like it as much, if not more, than one. But the general consensus is one and then three. Okay. Um, if you listen to last week's episode, I was not super high on the original Exorcist. Every time I go back and, and watch it, I like it less. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't very impressed. I mean, um, it was. There definitely had its had its moments, but yeah. nothing like this. So here, remember when I said. Cindy, this isn't even the scariest part about this movie. Yes. Tell me what is the scariest part about this movie. If you know, you know, listeners. If you don't, I'm about to tell you. This movie became a very big talking point during the trial of Jeffrey Dahmer. Why? Um, Dahmer claimed that he identified with James Venom and the Gemini Killer and would often like subdue his victims and force them to watch this movie before he killed them. <laughs> oh, mercy. <laughs> okay. That's okay. um his first attempted victim, Tracy Edwards, testified that Dahmer would rock back and forth while chanting at various times 
and that he especially enjoyed a sequence with a possessed Karis. Uh, he bought, by he I mean Dahmer, mm-hmm. yellow contact lenses to look more like Jason Miller from this movie. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. No. Sorry. So this movie, this movie is the favorite film uh-huh. of Jeffrey Dahmer. Eh, a movie yay. that he watched regularly with oh, people yeah. that he then killed and ate. That's great. That's so, just, that's something. Okay. Wow. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep, Sorry. He, uh, Don't like he, the Jeffrey Dahmer stuff. Yep, uh, he drugged his victims before okay. dismemberment and confessed to a routine of watching this film with them while waiting for the drug to take effect. Cool. So there you go. That's creepy as hell. Uh, <laughs> Um, I don't know if you mentioned this in the front half because it's been a couple days since we recorded the front half and I am full of medications. Mm, That's Um, the sickness, y'all. This movie is based on Blatty's book called Legion. Mm -hmm. Um, He wanted to call the movie Legion and they were like, no, you're going to call it Exorcist 3. And he was like, can I call it Exorcist 1990? And they were like, no. You're going to call it Exorcist 3. And he was like, but makes sense. my book is essentially Exorcist 2, but there's no exorcism. Right. And the studio was like, we're marketing this as, as Exorcist the Exorcist 3. 3. Um, the book and the original director's cut did not have an exorcism at all. Literally, yeah. the exorcism is, is Kenderman shooting him in the fucking head. Yeah. Um, Everything with Father Morning, like you said, is added in. And that was added by the studio. It like it very was awkward. just a thing. Um, very awkward. So after principal to- photography was completed, the misleading nature of the title was noticed and the producers determined that additional scenes needed to be written and then added to the film in order to make it a recognizable sequel to The Exorcist. The last third of the movie had to be entirely redone with the insertion of a new character, Father Morning, and of an exorcism scene that... Co- that cost nearly $4 million. Oh, my gosh. Why not just let it be its own? So there <sighs> you There go. it is, y'all. This movie was terrifying. I It did its job. Um, I will not watch it again. So that's cool. I'm glad I watched the same the theatrical cut that most people watched. Um, this movie really... Because I will not revisit. Scared the shit out of you. Yes. Yep. I had nightmares the whole nine. It did its job. Great. Y- yay. Can we move on now? <laughs> yeah, and then add in the Jeffrey Dahmer connection. Yeah, I don't like that e- at all. No, thank you. Mm. So next week. Yeah. Well, hold on. Let's, oh, let's, okay. let's do this. Let's do what? Because I want to hear more from you. All right. I got a couple questions. Okay. What's Hit your me. favorite moment or scene from this movie? Um, the end the big climactic you know oh, like the snakes and the, the fire snakes and the, and the fire that's why i was like oh that's it's not pretty in the, cool it's pretty cool it's not in the other one um favorite character the lead guy that yeah kenderman yeah kenderman favorite performance i mean i guess just you know based on like talking here you're right venom is it was incredible, but also I feel like people sleep on Ed Flanders as Father Dyer because he's like so lovable. Yeah, like but he's the one character in the movie I just want to like hug. 
I'm like I, I like if every he priest like was like really you, nice I would enjoy hanging out with you. Like yeah, um, Georgie Scott's don't worry, they're prickly pear. Like yes, <laughs> he's a little rough. Yes, um, he did. I mean, he did a great job, um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting. The idea of having Jason Miller come back and playing Karis is interesting. However, like, they had him reshoot scenes that, like, Brad Dourif had already shot. And apparently, like, he couldn't remember his lines. Who couldn't? Jason Miller. Oh. Because he was such a bad alcoholic. Yeah. That he had what Brad Dourif describes in the special features as wet brain. Like, literally, like, he would, they would be like, you say this. And then they would go action and he would have forgotten it. Oh, wow. Like, because he was such a bad alcoholic. Well, I mean, that happens. Uh, uh, gosh, addiction is addiction is addiction, isn't it? Yeah, it's rough. Like, it's rough. And I feel bad for him. Well. But, whew, golly. Um, would you watch this movie with your children? I just said I'm not going to watch it again. So, what's would the you problem? recommend any of your children to watch I this think movie? That the, um, I think the 17 year old would like it. This is something that I think he would really, really enjoy. Thousand percent, no negatory on um, the the 13 year, the 12 year old. Nope, that's not happening. I don't. I don't think even before you got to any of the scary. Well, there's some scary shit at the beginning. But I think the pace alone would be a negative for the 12-year-old. Right. Even if there wasn't scary shit, it would it, it would move at a glacial pace for him. Uh, your mom and or aunt? Yes. I don't know if I'd watch it with them, but I think that they would like this movie. I don't think they would. I think if we didn't tell them it was called Exorcist 3, I don't think they would know. Like yeah. If we just said, like, hey, there's this really interesting you know, serial killer movie. It's an exorcist movie in name with some of the same characters, but it feels like a totally different genre kind Mm -hmm. of like where the first exorcist feels like a religious horror movie. And we talked about the problem of like, you know, let's punish a girl for turning into a woman. This movie feels like it's 1990 and it's telling you movies like seven are coming. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Um, like there was a lot of, Hey, seven and like eight millimeter in these movies are coming this decade. They're going to be a lot more intense than, so prepare yourself. It's not just going to be another slasher. Cause I would say like, they're going to be thinkers. The exorcist is like a religious horror movie. It's like a straight horror movie in a way. This movie is definitely more psychological horror. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, the, the type of scary is different and it's a type of scary that I like more. I I won't say like it's the kind of scary that works better for me. Okay, like the the dread and the, that build up. Yeah. Okay. It, which I, I, I don't think The Exorcist has that as much for nope. me. And like, I'm never gonna tell someone like a movie they like is dumb or wrong or whatever. I just I have a lot of problems with your original Exorcist and like watching it with people in the past couple of years that had never seen it before, and then they're them being like, huh. "This is boring" or whatever. Yep. I don't care. I'm like, oh yeah. You were like, you were correct in your first thought. Um it's that thing where like the 
me seeing this movie when I was like 14 or whatever versus watching it now. As, yeah. I'm a different person. It doesn't work for me anymore. Right. Exorcist 3 still does. <laughs> uh, still slaps. There's like parts where I feel like it drags a little bit, but mm-hmm. overall it fucking yeah. works. If you compare the two, there there really is no comparison, you know, to be honest. Do you have any final thoughts you want to throw out about this movie? It, it, oh, it scared me. It scared me real good. It got me on every level, definitely. Like, yeah. it had a jump scare. It had this kind of thriller. It had this terrifying serial killer torturing children. You know, it was nightmares. Uh, what are we watching next week, my dear? So, if you're keeping track at home, this is not our last week of the month. We have one more Possession movie. And I was not keeping track, and he had to remind me. To I was like, is this our last one? I wanted to set us up to segue nicely into February. Um, so, we're going to watch Fallen. Fallen. What year did this Fallen, come out? Fallen. I think, like, 98? Yeah. Oh, that was a good year for me. So, it was in the year of our Lord... James Veneman, 1988. <laughs> All right. Well, until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. Yay. See you next week. <laughs>